doing that, you're going to also have to be thinking about a win for the week, something mm-hmm. that that was good and positive that happened to you that you can share with everybody. Sure. So you're going to have like 20 seconds to come up with that. But first, please introduce yourself. Tell us who are you? What do you do? Why should we care? All right. Hey, my name is Joel Telling. I host 3D Printing Nerd. We air on YouTube. And it was originally a hobby back in the end of 2014, 2015, that grew into what is still a successful little business. Successful is being humble, my friend. You're very humble. Uh, you you have built quite a channel. Uh, you were the humblest, yes. Um, very concise. That's a solid elevator pitch, which is critical for any business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. The topic at hand today, guys, on the pod is the business of being a creator. And this is one that I've been excited to delve into for a, for a long time. Um, we don't, I don't think we think of YouTubers and, and people that, that have done that as business people necessarily because it's, it's still in the scope of business kind of a newer genre. And I think a lot of people perhaps have maybe stumbled into it. Joel, uh, when you when you were growing up, did you have visions of being an entrepreneur, a business person, a YouTuber, any of this stuff? No, not even slightly. Well, and to your point, I think a lot of people view people on YouTube as businesses if they have a hundred employees or some astronomical number of subscribers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when you think about it, like MKBHD and studio, you think of as a business Mm -hmm. Linus tech tips and Linus media group, you think of it, but, but dude, perfect. And Markiplier, do you think of them as a business? No, Mm -hmm. not really. Right. Right. Uh, So, so my beginnings, I've always, I've always been a fan of tech. Like ever since I was a little kid, I liked tech. And I liked taking things apart. Um, I took a lot of electronics classes in high school. Um, I built stuff out of cardboard and uh, tape. I remember for Christmas one year, my parents just got me a massive amount of different tapes. And even to this day, that would be a fantastic <laughs> Christmas gift. That is a good uh, gift. I, like I used that. to, as a kid, so I, uh, in my bedroom, I, I would take cardboard boxes and okay. uh, a knife and cut out doors and windows and trap doors and use tape to put them together and then have string home run back to a certain location where I could manipulate the doors and, and the trap doors or perhaps like a, a, a big entryway. And then I could pull my, my, yeah, my GI Joe wow. X30 out of the thing. It was, it was, <laughs> it was a bunch of fun. It was in essence, I mean, from a kid, I mean, maker's going to make, right? Maker's uh, going to make. And so uh, if you think about it, like I, in hindsight, I probably was always destined for something creative. I don't know about greatness. (laughs) Great. Also creative, but greatness too. But something creative where something was made, changed, or created. Uh, I did have my own startup company in software and I've worked for a lot of different software companies. And so mm-hmm. I made programs, I made functions, I made test harnesses. Um, I always man liked done it all tech stuff. Yeah. And so I always collected uh, camera gear, audio gear. And so uh, before um, in the before time, uh, before my wife and I have kids, I was a, um, <laughs> a bar photographer 
in Pioneer Square in Seattle. Oh. I, I would uh, I would start work at 11 p.m. and shoot a couple hundred images of patrons at certain bars and clubs. Um, I remember for my local radio station, they had a, uh, at the time, one of their producers was named was Ben, and they called it Breaking Benjamin, the bit, not the band. Ooh, I, and I so do like that every, band too. Yeah. Uh, every, on a morning, they would do something like um, take a stuntman shot or walk across a sea of Lego or Ooh. you know something to that effect, <laughs> doing, doing some sort of crazy stunt that could be relayed over radio so the audio was good. Yeah. So what I would do is while they did that, I would film it. And then at night, I would produce an episode and then have it ready to air by the time they go live the next morning so they could talk about it again, but then direct people to look at what they were doing. Wow. It was so, a lot of fun. That's it was... okay. So th this is good. This sets, this tees it up nicely. <laughs> this sets the stage mm -hmm. well. Okay, I, we I always love a good origin story. We get a sense of who Joel is and what he what he is. So let's pause there for a moment. Let's take a moment to share some wins because we're all about harnessing that good energy and and blocking out the bad, as I like to say. Uh, Joel, are you ready to lead off? Think about something from this last week that was just a good positive win that you want to share with the people. Oh, I've got a great win. Let's um, hear it. I've got an episode coming out next week. And in it, I had to design something that supported a weight at the end uh, of a distance while it was connected to something else. I don't want to give away too much. Okay. But uh, <laughs> utilizing different materials, different extrusion widths, and certain print settings, I was able to get it so it supported the weight even at speed. Mm. And so I'll get to talk more about that uh, next week. Awesome. Week, but awesome. it was really cool. That was a super win. Like it was last night at 11 p.m. It was uh, like upper 30s outside. Ooh. And I had Ooh. to test it going Risk. at speed and I got cold, but it was worth it. And I remember I fist pumped the sky. Oh, you even so happy. That's see, that's a good indicator. Wow. If you get a fist pump, oh, yeah. that's a win. Yeah. That is. Like, yeah. A win. Yeah. Andrew, give us a win on your. Oh, on your gosh. Front. Well, this week it has been, uh, I think, fantastic all around. Um, too many wins to count, and I'm not trying to brag. It's just, Jeez, been, it's been great. Um, See, he's on so cloud nine, week, cloud ten. Even. Yeah, this week, yeah, we we actually, uh, you know, as a as a business, 3D Gloop, we've been growing. Um, but this week, kind of, uh, we we said that it kind of ticked over into that next level. Um, we achieved one of our KPIs, uh, key performance indicators that we had set a long time ago. Um, and what's even more exciting is is that we had the highest revenue day in the company's history. Um, and it's actually pretty funny wow, because it finally beat, yeah, it finally beat a record that this man, Joel over here actually set for us uh -oh, back Joel's in 2018 <laughs> when we launched. Joel's been dethroned though. <laughs> He's been dethroned. Oh, the God yes. of it. This is fantastic news. <laughs> that's is it when we did yes. the, uh, my wife and I hung from the swing set with the piece. Mm -hmm. wow. wow. That's yep. fantastic, man. Congratulations on that. That's great. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't already, if you're in the chat, first of all, shout out everybody in the chat. I see a lot of familiar faces, a lot of familiar handles out there. Thank you for joining us. As always, I see some new faces. So welcome to our our, our tidy little podcast here. We're glad to see you. We do this every Friday at 9 a.m. on the YouTubes, but you can listen back on all the major podcasting platforms if you're, you know, like me and you like to listen to things while you're working as well. It's a good good way to do it. Uh, share your win in the chat, and maybe we'll read some of them. 
Uh, I, for mine, I'm just going to say I'm really excited. We picked up a new reseller this week. I'm really excited about it. We're still, I, we need to kind of sign on the dotted line, so I'm not going to say exactly what, and I don't want to jinx anything, but I, that's a really good win that's because awesome. anytime we get more reach and more brand recognition and out to, to places and corners of the world that we haven't, uh, you know, seen, like that's just always a, a great thing. So I'm happy about that. I'll, I'll take that as my win. That's fantastic. Thank you. A little Good round job. of a thank. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you for that. Uh, that's 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 nice. It's 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 been a road, but uh, we're we're very happy, and um, hopefully we're gonna challenge our production line uh, with it, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, awesome. All right. Shall we get into the the meat and potatoes? What I want to do, we're gonna do this a little bit different, guys. This morning, uh, I want to maximize the amount of time. So, you, please feel free to throw questions. And we are watching the chat. I apologize if we don't get to everybody's questions. We've got some that were submitted to Twitter ahead of time. Uh, we will take a couple calls in a little bit here as well. If you want to actually call in and talk to Joel, we welcome that. So, I want to maximize the amount of time we have available for that. Um, but. The topic at hand this morning, the content creator business. Mm -hmm. So Joel started off by telling us kind of his background and all this stuff, but said, hey, I'm not, I, I, I never planned for it to be like a business. I think, Joel, you like many of us, um, I would say stumbled into the world of mm -hmm. entrepreneurship and business stuff and and very much learning as you go. Well, how, how hard can it be to figure out how to set up a bank account, how to get a tax ID number, you know, all of that stuff. And <clears throat> I know it's not, I'm sure it's not the first thing you were excited to do or whatever, but at some point, I want you to think back for a second to that crossover point where you're like, oh, wait, now I've I've actually got to get an accountant or I, I actually have to set up the bank account or I actually have to do this on the up and up. When was that again? And was that a drag for you? Has it has the, how has the transition been from, you know, doing all your other things and doing your channel part time to actually like, OK, this is how I make my money now. Oh, uh, that's a fantastic question. So at the very beginning, I was working at Adobe on the After Effects team. And uh, across from me, my coworker, Mitch, he worked on the Premiere team. He had worked there for like 20 years. And I remember mm. I had thought I, I'm, I'm enjoying 3D printing. I had, my, I had my 3D printer, my first one, Christmas of 2014. From there, I used Photoshop's 3D engine to design cookie cutters that I sold on Etsy. Mm -hmm. And uh, at some point down the road, I thought I want to teach people about what I'm doing. It actually was a, a GoPro camera rig that I modeled in Open SCAD, and uh, it was fantastic. And I wanted to kind of show people. So at Adobe, I remember on YouTube, I created my channel, and I called. I, I wanted 3D printing in the name, and. Uh, for a long time, I volunteered for something called the Nerd Machines Nerd HQ at San Diego Comic-Con. It was um, a Zach Levi-led thing. They worked with Operation Smile. So technically, I was a volunteer for Operation Smile, who then provided the volunteers for them to do this Comic-Con offsite. Okay. Like I was the green room. Uh, <laughs> I ran the green room, and I was the stage manager, so I got to meet a bunch of people. Um, it was a bunch of fun, but we, we were nerds. So I was like 3D printing nerd this sounds great and so i started a channel called 3d printing nerd that's how the name and, came up. uh 
I remember, yeah, I got my first subscriber as one of my friends, but I remember walking over to my friend Mitch's office and I was like, dude, I got my first subscriber. <laughs> you remember <laughs> subscriber one. That's yeah. incredible. I think it was my friend Stuart. Uh, so that's that's kind of where it started. I wanted to talk about the model in the open SCAD and, and it kind of how I did it. Um, the video did well. And so I put out another one. And right. then that video did okay. By well, I mean, someone watched it. Uh, but then <laughs> the second one, you know, got watched. The third one got watched. Uh, at I, I remember. So if we're talking about the business of it. So that was, I want to say, June of 2015 when the channel was started. Um, at one point, I got... To, well, I was like, I need to kind of think of this like a business. Um, YouTube, I was going, I hit, uh, I hit the the subscriber number to be a YouTube partner, and money was going to start coming in from YouTube, and I didn't want that to co-mingle with my paycheck from Adobe and our personal finances. Mm -hmm. The idea was just for the sake of keeping everything separate, I wanted to have my own account that this went into. Okay. Because through Adobe's paycheck, I was self-sufficient. And so I wanted to keep that money separate because uh, I didn't want it to mingle with my personal money. But also, if I needed to buy anything that went on the channel, I would utilize money that the channel had made, mm -hmm. if I could. Uh, so I reached out to Matt, who still owned Printed Solid at the time. And I said, yeah. who's your business guy? Because I need to get an EIN. And so he forward me to the guy and through Delaware, I registered as a corporation and 3d printing nerd that's, was born. I got legit. my EIN. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and then I went to chase bank, a one that was next to the Adobe offices. And I took my EIN and I opened up my business account. So then I had, I had my registered business. I had an, uh, an EIN. So I was federally it's a, recognized. Mm -hmm. Taxpayer identification number for those of you not right, uh, it, in right. the US. Per personally, you've got your social security <laughs> number. Businesses have yep. uh, an employee, an employment identification number or something like that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. So I took that one to Chase Bank, registered for business savings, business checking. And then now that I had a corporation where I had an LLC with an EIN and a business checking and savings account, I then took that information and put it into YouTube and said, anytime there is a, um, a payment generated every month for the partner program, it goes, in, it yeah. goes into this account. And, and, uh, and so that's the pro So anybody that starts to get into actually doing, if you want to make money or start get paid by YouTube, everybody has to do this type of process. So they kind of guide uh, you. Everyone doesn't have to have an EIN. And everyone doesn't have to uh, to have a business account. Like I could have put in my social security number, and I could have put in um, uh, my my personal banking details, and YouTube would have paid mm -hmm. it out, and okay. then it would have just been ten ninety nine income to my 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 personal area. But th the goal was because remember, I still had a full time job that paid fairly well. I mean, I was a software developer, so mm -hmm. I I. I wanted that to exist. And then I wanted mm -hmm. this to exist on its own. Okay. And so let's just start like anybody who's wanting to start this thing. If, if you can keep the money separate, I think that's a great way to start because then things aren't muddy. You know how much is coming in and you know how much is going out if you need to buy something. And it's way easier to manage mm -hmm. from ground zero.
Gotcha. Okay. All right. That so that's a good uh, a good baseline. Uh oh, mm -hmm. look at this. We got oh, our oh, oh. we got our first caller. Are you ready to take a caller here, Joel? Are you, are you we do don't it. know. Yeah. We yeah, don't know what happens when we open this up to the world. Okay, let's see. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, you're on Maker That Money here with uh, with Joel Telling this morning. Can you give us your name and uh, what your question for Joel is? Hey, this is Jay. Uh, Joel, I'm a big fan of your channel, and I'm starting out a YouTube channel kind of centered around 3D printing. And I was wondering if you just had some advice. I really like comics and video games. How could I turn that into, like, a business? Hmm. Ooh. That's a that's a fantastic question, and I love that you brought this up because if in 2023 saying you're going to start a channel around 3D printing, there's there's quite a few more now than there were back in 2015 when I started. So you have to find your own niche, and saying you like comic books, and uh, that's that's great. Find a way to get that into any of the videos that you make whether it's it's how you film and the style or whether it's how you're presenting the story of each video or whether it's inspiring the things that you print uh i i think i think you have a, a wonderful road ahead of you if you can just kind of weave in the tenants into your videos as you go along and so you'll have 3d printing and the things that you enjoy Cool. So Jay, uh, Jay, idea. Jay, you already have you already have a channel, or you're thinking about starting a channel? Uh, technically, I've actually I've had a channel since 2006. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> you're looking to yeah. take it to the next level, then maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like, it, well, first of all, where are you calling from? Uh, Canada. Oh, all right. All right. Good. Good on you. And and so uh, you already have some videos out there. Anything we might have seen or? Um. Maybe we've got a few views on some of the videos. Okay, okay, all right, good. We're building it up. Uh, that, I mean, that's great. Comic. Your your passion is in in comics, and and you've done some three D printing. Uh, that's good. What do you, what do you feel like? I think Joel's got some great advice. It's it's got to be a tough thing to get <laughs> mm -hmm. into in this day and age. But um, what what kind of challenges do you feel like you want to start trying to tackle first? Well, I've got a pretty big team now, and that's kind of it's kind of changed the game a little bit from the days when I was in my garage. Oh, you have um, a team? Yeah, we've got about twenty-two people. Wait, you have a? T I'm sorry, did you say twenty-two? Yeah, twenty-two people. Wait, so and and like, how big is your channel? Like, what kind of subscriber numbers are we talking here? Uh, I think we're at thirteen point two. Thirteen point two people. Hi, James. Uh, <laughs> How's it going, Ladies and gentlemen. Hey, man. How you doing? I love it. Like, when I heard your voice at the, at the very beginning, I was like, no way. No way. <laughs> hey, my advice is still great. It is still really good advice. For those of you who may not know, we are in the presence of multiple uh, greatness uh, this morning. Mr. James Hobson, a.k.a. The Hacksmith on YouTube. Uh, a very small, a very small YouTube channel. You may, you may or may not have heard of. Him. Done, done, done some work with some lightsabers and some hammers and some uh, walking uh, robots and power loaders and whatnot. But man, thank you so much, Hey guys, I got to tell you something. A little birdie told me a secret. Today, 
is the uh, James's birthday. Did you know that? What? <laughs> so three. So the big three three. Now, what's interesting oh, about that, James, and I know it, he is he is very gracious for joining us because, A, it's his birthday, and, B, I know he's got a, uh, a company. Uh, he said he has a meeting coming up, so we don't have a whole lot of time, you know. But I wanted to give Joel an opportunity to ask maybe some questions of, of, a, of, a, <laughs> of an inspiration of his as well, and we've got a question for you. But before we do that, I think we'd be remiss if we did not just take, you know, 10 seconds here to just headbang a solid happy birthday wish to Mr. <laughs> James Hobson the Hacksmith. <laughs> birthday to the Hacksmith. Happy birthday to... You're enjoying that quite a bit, Food. <laughs> there it is. He's that was jamming it. out. That was it. That was it. That was fun, huh? James, I, I really quick, I got to tell you something, man. This is interesting. I was looking on your back catalog, and your your oldest video is like 16 years old now, which means like half of your life effectively has been yeah. on YouTube. Is that like, how does that feel to you? Is that just a trip to look at like where you were and where you are? I, I knew that was coming up, but I, I forgot that's this year. Yeah, because I, I started posting 2006, April 20th. So I was I was 16 at the time. Seems like forever, um, doesn't it? I'm 33, 20. Well, I guess next year will be. Wait, no, 16. 30, oh, I'm, all, I'm already over the half point. That was last year. Shoot. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. I remember even just after about three years of running the channel full time, I was just like, I've already worked for myself longer than I've worked for a company. Cause I only have like three years work experience as a regular engineer at two different companies, about a year and a half each. And- um, So this is your longest running job then, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I've been, um, I've been uh, cleaning out and organizing the garage cause I'm throwing a, a big party tonight. And just in or cleaning up the garage, I was like reminiscing. I'm like, damn, we used to we used to do everything in here. And there is a big part of me that misses that because like it was like just hanging out with friends, making cool stuff. Right. Um, having the huge business and the huge facility, it, it definitely changes the game a lot. But I'm starting to find joy in it again because it's just like I have this awesome facility. I'm. I'm really trying to start living that eccentric tech CEO life that I kind of dreamed about. Since I was a kid. He's a real life Tony like, Stark, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, he really is. And like, I might move into this facility at some point. Like, it's got everything I want. Like, we're building up a big company gym soon. We've got showers. We've got kitchen. We've got the company chef. Like, oh my god, it's been pretty cool. And I will wait. You're throwing a party tonight. Okay, I will book my flight and <laughs> yeah, at the airport. Yeah. Right? My That's our my invites team. got lost in the mail somehow. I'm assuming. So we'll just yeah, you know, get send the jet and we'll just we'll be we'll be there in no time. Um, listen, man. So I I'm gonna ask you the same thing that I asked Joel. If you're thinking back, because this podcast is talking about turning your hobby into your jobby, and I imagine for you. You had a very similar path where when you go back to 16 years ago, 
you know, James and think about it and stuff like you, you, I, there's no way you could have had any vision of it being the size he's referring that he's in a new facility that he calls it the Herc. It's an amazing campus. They've done tons of work. If you guys do not know the hacksmith and you're listening back on the pod later, please go look him up. His channel is incredible. Uh, he's done just some amazing stuff. He's done Ted talks. He's done, he's done the whole thing. He's lived a lot of life in 33 years and uh, we are honored to have him. But James thinking back, to that point where you crossed over, where you said like, oh, we're just making videos, it's fun. I'm, you know, I'm with my my best friend and and we're just sitting next to each other to the point where you're like, oh, this is a business now. This is like, and what was that transition like for you? And and how has that growth felt over? Because I know it's it's never, you know, there's ebbs and flows and stuff. Can you talk about that? Those feels. Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting question because basically. When it was all in the garage, we actually, we got up to, I think nine employees while still in the, in the garage, Jeez. which was pretty tight. Like me and Ian worked, my business partner, Ian, we worked in an office smaller than this together. And I was just literally reminiscing last night. I was just like, holy shit. Like we used to work like side by side, like constant communication, whether we were editing videos, engineering, planning things, responding to sponsors. And now like his office is like 50 steps away and it's just like, it's completely different. Um, so I think there's nothing wrong with turning your hobby into a business, but you have to be very conscious of what you actually want out of it. Mm. And I think when we made that transition from the garage to the first facility, that was over 10 times the size, 13,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. um, that was a big change. And that really, that really made it feel more like a business. It made it feel more corporate. And the thing is, as you grow, everything just gets more complicated to do. When you're nice and small, you can wear all the hats because it's a small team and mm -hmm. Ultimately, it's your hobby and you, you do whatever. But when you when you grow it too much, you start having to give away those hats. And sometimes you give away the hat that you actually enjoy wearing the most. And now you've kind of lost some of the, the, the passion. Um, I, I use a quote from MHKB that's just like, it's just it's such a good metaphor. He says, being a YouTuber is like being an octopus. You've got eight tentacles. Maybe one's holding a camera, one's 3D printing, one's planning things, one's talking to sponsors, one's scripting, etc. When you grow your company, you effectively have to cut off your own tentacles and hand them to someone else. And then they get to operate the fleshy tentacle Here, you doing the tentacle. job. <laughs> this, is, this is the part where it comes fun. Um, so I've, ne I've never actually like vetted this information, so I'm assuming it's true, but apparently, Octopi have three hearts. And the issue is those three hearts are actually in some of their limbs. Mm. So now, if you think about it that way, what happens if you cut off the three limbs that had your heart? Yeah. Now you still have to do five things at once that are not your favorite things to do. So mm. keeping in mind what parts of your hobby or the business that you actually love doing and making sure you don't give those up because as soon as you give those up, it's a slippery slope to 
<laughs> too much working, um, burnout, you, you name it. And I've been there and I'm trying to like get back to doing what I like. So for example, at Herc, the one thing I realized that the last facility is, yeah, if you teleported back to 2006 and you told past me, you're going to have this massive facility with every tool you need to make whatever you want. I think it would be a dream come true. But when I was actually at that facility, some of them were actually like the worst years of my life because I had given up a lot of those passions in exchange for the business. Mm. And the biggest thing I realized was even though I had the big facility, because I was running a business, I couldn't just go and work on whatever I wanted when I felt like it mm -hmm. because there were people using those machines. The 3D printers were busy. You name it. So one of the things that I made a priority now at Herc is I, I ear, earmarked a room and it's almost as big as the original garage. And I'm setting that up basically as my private workshop, kind of like Adam Savage's cage. Oh, I love okay. that. I love I'm that. I'm putting all the equipment I can fit in there, small scale versions of everything. So I can do any kind of prototyping from welding, CNC machining, 3D printing, laser engraving, laser cutting, mm -hmm. electronic, name it. I can do small stuff in there with anything I want. If I need like a bigger thing made, I can walk out to the main shop. But the important thing is that lab, I'm able to go in there at 2 a.m. if I want and do whatever I want because it's my space. That's and one of the things I'm doing in there also, the, the other big thing I noticed is, especially with YouTube, if you grow the team, you end up, now you got video people. Now you got other people editing videos. Mm -hmm. I kind of miss editing videos, to be honest. Like, it's fun. Really? Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't guess that either. And I even enjoy filming. It's just usually hard to film yourself. So, like, I'll film other people doing cool things. When I was in the garage, I was doing it all. I threw a camera on a tripod and then I started making. So what I'm doing in this lab is I'm actually outfitting the entire lab with 15 cameras, all set up at every oh. single <laughs> So there is no friction in the making process. All the equipment is ready to go and I can film whatever I want worry about editing it later, but have everything. Um, so it's actually the cameras I'm using. You say he's got, he's got tracking on. Yeah. Here, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So these are little Insta 360 link webcams. Oh, cool. They're actually a half inch sensor, 4k 30 or 1080 60. And they have basic tracking on them as well. That's amazing. So I actually reached out and they, they gave me 15 of these, which I'm going to help with. Good sponsor plug right there. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And um, you can do a few different hand signals for the base AI on here to do different kinds of tracking. You can make it zoom in, zoom out. The mics on it are really good. That's the mic I'm using right now. Really? I'm not using wow. a fancy That's mic. That's decent. That's really decent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the cool features of this is um, they come with these little QR code stickers. And it has this mode called whiteboard mode. So basically, I can put four stickers in a rectangle. And if I do a hand signal, it'll actually zoom in to that rectangle. That's great. 
So in a fractal application, if I'm working on something on the table, I can be talking to the camera, do a hand signal, and then the camera will look down to my hands and what I'm working on. So I'm really excited. Super handy. My God. That's so neat. He's like, next. This man is living in the future. Basically, I'm... The AI is taking over. So you don't have to stop what you're doing and walk behind the camera and adjust it and set focus and get ready and go back and make sure you're in scene. And, and then you, you run the whole thing on OBS yeah. with the app on your phone. And literally, you switch to the camera you want when you're walking around. That's I might even try to automate it even further where as soon as I walk into the frame, it starts filming. Well, you're, geez, oh, I hope your team isn't sweating too much. So basically, James is saying he doesn't need you guys anymore. He's figured it all out. Joel, I want to give you an opportunity before James has got to go here really quick. Um, you know, seeing where he is and where he's grown to. And first of all, you, you didn't really talk about the size of your team because you're – tell us where you are. And can you imagine growing to to a, uh, your channel to that, that place? Like, doesn't that just still seem so far away, potentially? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't it to you doesn't so i i love what james has said and i and i love hearing about the size of the team because i've got david producer and we have an editor that we use so there's three of us who are all remote but i can what we're doing i would imagine james has this problem as well you just you just need to envision it at scale and honestly if i 10x my space or my belongings or my team there yeah. would still like the the end result is just more and better content i would believe i know i know that it's it's easy to say that but uh like david and oh. talked about a lot of, of what <laughs> what we would do at scale like if an influx came in was like you can hire 10 people now what are you gonna mm. do it's like mm. we got plans for every single one of them so uh but but james i wanted to ask something because um part of what made me hesitant to start as a as a full-time content creator was you know here in the states uh, we have to pay for our health insurance and so I always said uh, I I've always said I have to if I was going to do this full time I have to make sure uh, my kids can eat more than ramen and <laughs> mm -hmm. I have to make sure the kids can see a doctor and usually people outside the U S especially in Europe or Europe are like you you have to make sure your kids can see a doctor what do you mean and so i have to kind of explain the us healthcare system yeah. do you think you could have done what you did in the us i think so i mean obviously like especially with that example sometimes it's like it's the luck of the draw <laughs> if i injured myself badly filming one of my first videos and i couldn't afford the healthcare to fix me, that would have definitely been an issue. But if we if we assumed I did everything I did here in the US, I think it would have been the exact same result. Okay. okay. Even though I am Canadian, like we work majorly with only US companies, US brands. We almost do zero business with Canadian brands. Really? Because the Canadian market is so much smaller. Um, and since we have such a big audience too, everyone just cares about the, the American demographic. Um, the few times that we have done Canadian ads there, the budgets are like a fraction of what they are in the States. Interesting. Okay. Wow. So I didn't even think about that, but that makes a lot of sense. G given where you've 
you've come and and I first of all I, I have to tell you something I I don't want to get into the the nitty gritty on the burnout but you did a video a couple of uh, a weeks back talking about the content creator cycle and some of the so you know getting real about some of the uh, psychological components of stuff and and what it's been like to grow and like I said it's never a, a perfect like oh if I just have more and we'll grow grow grow. I yeah. want to ask you, you one, you said something that was really profound to me where you just said you realized you were a shitty entrepreneur. And I I had replied to you privately. I said, man, spoiler, we're all shitty entrepreneurs. We're all <laughs> figuring it out as we go. I, I talked at the head of the show with Joel. It's like you, when you started this thing, you didn't ever expect it to be a business. And so all of this is kind of we're learning as we're going, right? Yeah. And so what advice do you have to the public in general about like trying to find that right balance? Like if you were to do it all over again, you know, do you not okay. scale as quickly? Do you just kind of be, you know, more mindful, like keeping track of where your hearts are on your tentacles? What is yep. it? Um, definitely the tentacles for sure. <laughs> Mind your tentacles. But, um, <laughs> um, as far as like growth and scale, for us, it was a very first world problem. Yeah, We grew very rapidly in the first four years of our channel. We pretty much doubled in size year over year. So it was quite literally exponential growth for four years, mm -hmm. which is a very first world problem to have. It was amazing. Yeah, um, But it also forced us to really just, we didn't have time to plan things or second guess stuff. We kind of just had to, keep running while like the the iron was hot um if you had a bit of a slower growth you'd be able to take a bit more time and think about your tentacles and think about how you actually want to scale your business so um i feel like <laughs> a lot of people won't have the problem of exponential growth which again it's a great problem to have but on the normal course of a business, that's kind of unusual, like that kind of early on growth where you're just like, whoa, everything's changed. Um, for me, the big thing that I, if I could go back in time and change is we, we kind of just hired people because we had to. We're like, oh, we need to do more. Yeah. But because I'm the hacksmith and the channel was the hacksmith. Yeah. Everything still centered around me, which was fine for the most part because I feel like I'm a pretty competent maker, but I was still the bottleneck at that point. Mm. So when I look at YouTube businesses, I like to use a, a legend of Linus Tech Tips as an, uh, as an example of someone who's done a really good job scaling. Because when he started growing his team, it was very specific. Okay, I'm hiring a new video guy and a new writer. And that means those two people are responsible for one or two new videos per week. Mm -hmm. So as he scaled the team, he scaled his output. When we scaled our team, we never scaled our output. Mm, interesting. Which is okay if you're in the middle of exponential growth and everything's just gravy and it's just like, yeah. oh, we're getting lots of views, who cares? Mm -hmm. But then you realize that that's not gonna last forever. Mm -hmm. 
now you've created this very, very, very expensive machine to run, outputting the same amount of content you did when it was just you. Mm -hmm. And now it means, like, the thing that boggles my mind so much now is when we were in the garage, we'd worry about spending a few thousand dollars on a project. Like, that was a, that was a big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Today, if I had to guess, I would say less than 5% of our budget goes towards like project materials and supplies. Wow. Wow. People are expensive. Yeah. People yeah. are very expensive. Salaries are very expensive. And with YouTube, unless we're making videos, those expenses don't go away. Yeah. So your, your overhead you're overhead shot up incredibly like crazy and we, we did have like in 2020 and 2021 we had some great years during the pandemic lots of people were watching online and our views were at an all-time high we did our lightsaber video which has over 40 million views now but now that we're kind of settling back in to this like post-pandemic right period of the world <laughs> Um, we're noticing that our average views are a lot less than they used to be, which is a tricky thing to manage, mm -hmm. especially when you have this expensive machine mm -hmm. that didn't get any cheaper to run, and now your output is the same. So one of the little setbacks we had last year was we, we tried changing our strategy. We were hoping to be a bit more like a Mark Rober-style channel, where we only released a video like once a month or mm, so. Okay. But we made it a really good video. And the thing that personally bugs me about YouTube is sometimes you can make a really good video and it's still not going to get the views you expect. You never know what's going to hook. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so the problem for us last year was we transitioned to that and we tried making better videos and we didn't really see the views to match it and whether or not we just had to do that experiment longer. The problem was we went from weekly videos to monthly videos, mm -hmm. which is essentially a 75% cut mm -hmm. to your income if that one video doesn't perform as good as four videos did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And between moving to the facility, like last year was just a clusterfuck. It was not a fun year. Now that we're in a herc, we're starting to try and ramp up content again, hopefully getting up to like two videos a month, maybe three, hopefully up to four. But again, focusing on getting them, this machine working more efficiently, producing more content. And that's the hope that we can get to the point where we have the buddy system now. So one engineer goes with one editor and they work together on a project. Wow. And if this system mm -hmm. starts to work, that's when we can actually scale it. If we can start like we've got our, our bar for quality, our bar for what a good video is. Now we could go hire a new engineer, a new editor, and now we've got an extra video. So we're a bit late to the game in properly scaling, but that's the hope. And then the extension of that hope is I get to come in here, throw out throw up all of my wonderful ideas idea barf yeah and then see them get created without actually lifting a finger myself <laughs> and then for the stuff i'm really passionate about he's in the lab with i can do that in my lab yeah mm -hmm. videos when i feel like 
not because I have to. Because mm -hmm. the biggest fear was, what if the views keep going down? What if my leaving the channel starts yeah. sinking the channel? Yeah. Will I be able to fix my problems fast enough to come back and save the business? And that was a scary thought. It's just like, sure. well, what if what if I am who our subscribers are watching for? So we're we're in that tricky part where we're we're really hoping that the team can start building up a following as well. And really we're putting more of the emphasis on Hacksmith Industries, yes. not the Hacksmith. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. the goal of if if we can do that, then it'll be a much more fun business to run and the possibilities will expand because you can do so much more with a team. And I love the idea of someday having teams of engineers in the skunk works where I can be like, I want a Batmobile. Team A, build me a Batmobile. <laughs> team B, nice. I want a Batmobile too. Team C, yeah. turn me into a superhero. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. James, listen, we are so grateful to have you here and, and giving us that is fantastic advice. So honestly, for any business, just to hear, like, as you grow, thinking mm -hmm. about sustainability, you know, don't don't necessarily have all your eggs in one basket. Certainly don't, you know, when times times will not always be as good. There's just so much, you know, meat on that bone to talk about. Um, and I appreciate yeah. you sharing that with us. And I hope that you guys have gotten some kind of sense of some of the challenges and some of the behind the scenes things that are happening for these content creators. Cause outwardly what, you know, the public sees, they don't get any of that. Right. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and so it's so neat to, to actually hear of those challenges. Listen, I know you got a birthday party. I know you got your meeting to, to get to. We've already gone way long with you. Thank you, my friend so much for being here. We'll have to have you back at some point and check in. No with you. Um, but I love Good talking to see you, about dude. This stuff. Thank you. you too, and uh dude party hard okay well we'll uh man. happy birthday we'll we'll, happy we'll connect birthday. to see you happy birthday man <laughs> all the people oh, sir oh awesome all right <laughs> we'll catch you soon thanks guys keep Have on going bye what a guy how was that uh at what point i feel like i saw the point where it clicked over J joel for you it was like wait <laughs> well, a minute voice jay and i'm like familiar. i know this the, voice the voice was familiar the whole time and jay <laughs> Canada. I'm like, yeah. Wait a minute. The clues kind of kept coming in. He's <laughs> like, we're, we're like, my advice still holds true because that's good what advice. Does. Yeah. I love her. So it's like, we're at like 13.2 people, <laughs> the subscribers. People. Mm. He touched that's on some, some really great stuff, oh, but such good uh, stuff. it's interesting to think about because when he started his journey, he was. 18 ish out of his mm -hmm. garage and not even he was like yeah still where a he's minor. at now what he's 33 yeah. yeah i yeah. didn't start doing anything on youtube with 3d printing nerd until i was what 38 yeah so i'm mm -hmm. already five years older than he currently is before i even start doing stuff mm-hmm and it gets a little bit more difficult because, and I, I spoke about this, the U.S. healthcare system, I believe, inhibits small-time creators because mm. if for some reason you are hurt, God forbid, mm -hmm. catastrophically in an accident or something, that can just, that can wreck your it, whole life, it your changes career, the whole, oh, it, absolutely. Can, it can do everything. And so not only that, I remember when I started, so 
when I left Adobe, I had actually, I, I put out a video on this and I talked about it. I'm going full time as a content creator. Uh, I, I specifically remember uh, it was like 10, 15 at night. And I, I, I walked in cause I was, I was essentially leading two full-time jobs at Adobe. I was doing stuff. And then at night after my wife and kids went to bed, I was doing content creation and I had to go see a neurologist because I was starting to forget words and I had constant headaches and like my brain mm -hmm. was being taxed too much. And yeah. I know James talks about, you know, mental health. He had to step away. Yeah. Uh, I was told by a neurologist that you need to quit your job. And he's not talking about content creation. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So then I remember at night I went to my wife and I said, Hey Mick, I, I think I can quit my job. You know, the doctor's recommending it. And part of what I said earlier, I have a doctor's all that money, tucking <laughs> all of that money away. Yeah. I had a six month runway. Okay. That That's point. amazing. And that is that honestly is something that I, I wish more people were able to do, but I knew that at, at our current spend without the kids having to just eat ramen, like I could still, the kids could eat and we could afford health insurance. Uh, if, if, if nothing, if nothing came in, then at the end of six months, I would need to find a job. Mm. And so the idea was I put in a 12 day notice because it turns because out two weeks one of the too reasons much. why is uh, I had to go with matter hackers to an event uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I had to quit in time to go to this event. But was there. everybody at Adobe was yeah. just like, man, we're going to miss you. Like th they enjoyed working with me. I didn't necessarily enjoy the job as much as I enjoyed this one, but everybody was like, I'm going to miss you. And, and so I had six months to work on it. And then I had another six months and then, okay, let's see if we can go another year. Oh, okay. Now let's go another year. And so uh, it's just, it's really interesting to hear these stories about people who are going to full-time content creation and yeah. if you think about mm -hmm. james and the hacksmith um it's i think there are certain times within youtube's history that people could start and get an automatic boost and yeah. i think mm. um i think i was in the right place at the right, right time. place right I time think, yeah I, I think that the the content that is created on 3D Printing Nerd by myself and then with a team, it's it's bar none. It's high quality content, and there's always inspiration, and we're always trying to teach a little bit and just have a lot of fun. It's family friendly. Yeah. But I I don't. If I were to start that today, I don't know if I would necessarily have found the same success with the same level of quality as right. I did by starting earlier. Right. And so I, there's a little bit of, right. It's not luck. What is it? Mm -hmm. It's when, it's when uh, preparedness meets opportunity. And Correct. so uh, I, I think mm -hmm. I was lucky in that I was able to start my journey there. And the only reason I could, because here in the U S I had to have a runway to make sure my kids could see a doctor. Well, and you sure. meant, you mentioned, you know, the content creator piece, but that's, that's, that's actually true for any business in the U S it was a concern of mine as well. And I've been doing my own business for the past 20 years between this and my, my freelance gig before. Um, and I remember having a moment when my, my son was born, my first child was born where I was convinced I was like, I'm going to have to just get a job because I can't afford to pay for healthcare and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was actively looking. So I, I had been freelance web developing for probably three or four 
year, two or three years at that point. And I was like, well, that's it. But the phone kept ringing, kept doing stuff. And, and, um, uh, that was about the time, uh, Obamacare and, and some of that stuff came out. And so there were some decent options where there was some subsidy. It's not ideal as compared to other countries, mm-hmm. Uh, but there are ways, so it's not impossible. It is something that uh, is is doable, but it's a very, very valid concern because one change in your health can be game over, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's just a, such a hard uh, jump for people to want to make, especially if you have a family. I you know I I feel for you, buddy, because it's like you, when you're getting in later in life as another thing, and you've always known having healthcare through your job and all that stuff, it feels very, very stressful to think about not having that. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, and then if you think about it, do you think, like, it, what does the future look like if healthcare in the U.S. was different for small-time business owners? Like, do you... Th- mm-hmm. so, Great question. Are there certain inventions or discoveries that the, our timeline has missed out on because of this? Because here, Absolutely. If, if, if a 45-year-old married person with three kids has themselves a wonderful idea, but they can't execute because of the socio-political mm-hmm. structure here in the country, yep. are, are like, have we missed out on something? And so that, those are the things that I think about as a, as a, well, content creator, but also as a small business owner. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we, mitigate these roadblocks to get the best ideas forward. That's a fantastic point. And one that's very rarely part of the conversation. I mean, I know they talk about, you know, the government wants to do things to encourage small business growth and whatnot, but I don't think we think of how healthcare actually impacts that the way that you're bringing Mm up. I would really love to see more conversation in that space. That's a totally awesome, totally awesome point. Um, Andrew, I want to give you an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I also, there was a great question from Vishal in the chat that I want to get to. I want to ask Joel. Joel, mm-hmm. I want to check in with you. I know you said, you know, I want to be respectful of your time as well. And I, I know we went along with James oh, I'm good. and stuff too. So I'm coffeed so up, you're man. Good. You're coffeed up. If anything, uh, I'll, awesome. just, uh, I'll just Uber eats a cheeseburger if I'm real hungry. We're, <laughs> that's good. And we can talk to the Uber <laughs> guy when he gets there too. Um, Andrew, why don't you, mm-hmm. I know you had some fantastic questions when we were talking ahead of time. We got to make sure you get one of those out to Joel. Let's do it. Sure. Yeah. Pick your come on, favorite. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you were mentioning Joel earlier, um, you know, about that transition period of saving up money, um, you know, having roughly six months of runway um, and then taking that leap. When you took that leap into doing this full time, uh, you know, what were you thinking about in terms of how do you start monetizing this platform that you've started creating? Yeah. Uh, and and like, what are the ways in which you viewed as uh, potential ways to make money? Like from the outside, we we all like as viewers know that, you know, oh, views, you know, equal money and rev share with, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, ad spend and stuff. But I'm sure there are more opportunities as a creator to work with brands or companies. And so I'm curious to hear like, in the early days, what were you thinking about? What were some of these things that you were trying to employ to to make this leap, you know, successful? Great question. Um, the the major thing I remember very specifically after my last day at Adobe, um, I did have to go to an event, uh, but I came mm-hmm. home and I was like, I'm going to have so much more time to do this. Like, mm-hmm. I am going to, I'm going to be able to do so much more now that I don't have a 
job in my way. I can do things while it's sunny outside, while it's daylight. Sure. <laughs> uh, that was the first thing that came to mind. Uh, and in fact, I believe that year I put out, I think, over 260 videos. Wow. Uh, and that's just, that was me in this room. There was a camera right over here. Wow. I had my desk here. My G Max was at a table back there. Um, it's in my shop so, now. <laughs> <laughs> the original the original i'm sorry the original i got a computer yeah, hug yeah, uh, yeah, yeah i uh i that's what i the first thing i wanted to employ was just being able to do more because in my mind mm -hmm. as one person making content one of the easiest avenues to try and get more revenue is to make more content because then you have more revenue opportunity um i then of course was able to commit to some things like going to places or events or or, or okay. visiting things to, in order to film that. Um, and then talking with sponsors about either I didn't do, if I remember right, I didn't really do a lot of sponsored content within the videos itself. It was more, mm -hmm. I would be compensated for trips. There wasn't a lot of in video sponsorships back in 2015, mm -hmm. 2016. Mm -hmm. It was, it's very, it's a very different landscape. Now the opportunity for revenue now is much greater for people who are content creators who create quality content. Okay. That's awesome. Um, Did I answer your question? I, I think so. so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I employed, know, I, think, I employed mm -hmm. working more during daylight hours to produce more content. That was my, that, that was yeah. my number one goal and how I attempted to get more revenue via opportunity. So, to, so to, let's, let, sorry, let me, let me follow up for yeah, you. If you, don't, if you don't mind, go just ahead. appeal a couple more layers off that skin. Yeah. So when you think about what Andrew's talking about, like other opportunities in terms of like revenue, as you start to grow bigger, it reminds mm -hmm. me of kind of like the professional sports analogy. I wonder, and maybe I'm completely off. So you tell me, Joel, um, do do you have the opportunity as you grow to make more money in sponsorships and like endorsement deal type stuff over the you know ever making money on the the sport itself if that makes sense if that mm -hmm. if that analogy carries over you, oh sure but is that that's something where you got to pay some dues to get there to attract that level of sponsor oh um, absolutely you and, you have to mm -hmm. build an audience you right. do have to as someone who creates content, if that is your business, you do have to run your business in a way to continue to gain an audience. And as you gain an audience, the, the value in your word goes up, which you can then talk to potential sponsors and advertisers and say, I have a, an addressable loyal audience at, mm -hmm. at this size. And I believe that some sort of mention within a video I make is worth mm -hmm. this. Would you like to take a part of it mm -hmm. yeah okay well that that's that's a really interesting point you're making now and i think it actually kind of segues into this other question that i wanted to ask and and that is um you know again you kind of mentioned uh you know having that uh that six months of runway and you know taking it six months at a time or a year at a time eventually as you grew um you know so were there revenue goals in line as you started thinking about this as a business and how how were those revenue goals kind of tied into uh, we call them key performance indicators so oh, i know kpi you know, I, KPI's, I understand what a yeah, KPI is. Okay. yeah believe me i've been yeah. there uh, well, mainly, I, uh, mainly for the audience in case <laughs> my you know. uh so as a as a startup business owner i'm not business savvy at all and okay. I, I have ideas but i didn't have any 
financial KPIs to hit. My main goals were no ramen, provide money so that we can <laughs> eat and see a doctor. Sure. That's it. That's okay. It. Like every month, do we have enough to pay the bills? Yes. Okay. Great. Oh, there's still money in the account. Let's keep going. And that's <sighs> double down. That was it. Uh, uh, and it, it's it's difficult to run that way. But as as I started sure. out as a business of one person, just doing i mean i just i wore all the hats before but now i wore all the hats and i and my hats were responsible for making sure other people could live okay. that's when it starts to get real so there there were no like oh by this time i want this much by this time i want this much you know i've okay. I, you know i i have far off goals like i would love five million dollars in my account someday and i've not even sure close. <laughs> not even close sure but it doesn't matter sure. because that's a goal yeah and I'm working. It's yeah. good to have a goal. Always have goals. Okay. Question well, really yeah, quick. Ahead. Let me get a question in from the the chat here because we've been very mm -hmm. greedy oh, with Jill's okay. time. Uh, yeah. This is a question from Vishal, uh, uh, head of uh, SliceWorks. Shout out SliceWorks. Slice good, good, good dude. Good dude. Super good dude. Uh, question for Joel: What was the pivotal moment that you decided to go all in on content creation instead of the comfort job? You kind of talked about your transition from Adobe, but like, was there just like, it was it that doctor's note? Was that the pivotal moment? So uh, in, in the before time before Adobe, I had my own startup company and I enjoyed working for myself. Uh, we did incur debt from that because it was never funded, mm. but mm. it was still a joy. Like I remember we had, we had a big square table and the TV was on the wall. And at night, I remember sitting on the ground with my back against the couch, pulling up the, the, this table, have my laptop, uh, a coffee or a Red He's Bull, the whole moment. a movie on, yeah. just coding, coding away, yeah. drinking my Red Bull and just watching movie. And it'd be three, four o'clock in the morning. I'd be like, whatever, right? Job yeah. needs to get done. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so that pivotal moment for me when going to content creation was really uh, at Adobe, I was a quality engineer and I was responsible for coming up with a test harness to test which effects within After Effects could be run on the GPU versus the CPU, because sometimes the mm. GPU would run things faster. I'm not gonna get into all of that, but it was, it's it's like, it's like going to an artist and giving them all of the paint brushes and say, test this brush. <laughs> so I had like, After Effects is one of the most creative programs you can do for digital video. Sure. And I mm -hmm. was responsible for making sure things ran slightly faster versus the GPU, the CPU. So. That pivotal moment, moment was I was in a job that was kind of boring and I had the opportunity to go back to being responsible for myself and I, I have revenue opportunity. And so it was just, it was the perfect storm. So when the doctor said, uh, you need to quit your job and I yeah. had runway, I was like, that's it. This is it. Like, this is when we pull the trigger. And I sent the email to my boss and that was history. I never slept better. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great, that's a good point though. Like you, th that's a validating feeling. If you, if you know you slept better as a result of that decision, that means there was some weight there that you yeah. might not have oh, even yeah. like really fully understood. Uh, and it's only once it's lifted that you're <laughs> like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm taking my life into my own hands again. And that's, I, that is the mm -hmm. entrepreneurial spirit in a nutshell. I think that the it commonality is. that a lot of us have, it's like, I just, I want to be responsible for my own destiny. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and I think that's a powerful thing and it's not for everyone, obviously, because there's a well, it's lot not for of everyone, nor does everybody yeah. have the same opportunity. That's true. Very, mm -hmm. that's very true. Sure. We are 
coming from a place of privilege uh, to begin with, just based on where where we are born and and all of that stuff. So we do recognize. Well, sure, that. but I mean, I I was I was I was very gifted or blessed or I I was privileged to have that runway to try something out. Right. Not everyone with a family gets the idea or the the ability to try and pursue an idea. Right. Without having to tax themselves in ways that might be detrimental to their their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, should we do another question do from it. the, do from it. the yeah. chat? Come on, sure. man. Uh, this is a really good one and it, it keys back into what you're talking about, your audience building. So this is from Maple Leaf mm-hmm. Makers, I'm assuming in Canada. Question, uh, started a channel less than a year ago, found a niche. They do Voron build guides. Fantastic okay. time to be in the Voron That's space. Great. Uh, and it's kept them busy and growing. It's hard to see a way to branch out though, without alienating their native audience do you have any tips for that <laughs> that's a tough one yeah and unfortunately you have to do what 3d maker noob does and seek some discomfort mm. if you make mm-hmm. content about voron and voron building it could be that you set aside one day a week for a specific build like watch my voron go or or build mm-hmm. day you you can highlight specific models in the community that are contextually cool. Like if if um, Cinderwing releases a new dragon, mm-hmm. talk about how this Voron you created and here are the specs and you're going to print it in this specific material and then you print it out. And then at the end, you have this really cool print and offer it to your audience. Say, you know, leave a comment down below with your favorite whatever and we'll pick a comment and send this out to you. Yeah. It's, if you... If, if you branch out to make slightly different content, slightly, sometimes, most of the time your audience will come along. You don't right. have to worry about it. Right. But if it's wildly different, like you have mm. to give them an incentive to want to try it out. You'll get some loyalty there for people coming over and saying, I like you and I want to see the content you make. But most of the time you have to kind of, what is it? Give the carrot to, to kind of sure. come over and, and, and watch it. And so... Or the sprinting <laughs> something on the Voron is still going to be tangential to the the overall content goal. Having a giveaway is nice, and it's not like it's not just a giveaway channel. It's just you've printed mm-hmm. a thing and you want to give it to someone, and then maybe bonus points if they make content about the thing that you just sent them. Mm. There, there, there's ways around that. Think of in the grand scheme of your content ideas, right? Pick a hyper focal point within it. And expand that into a short story, like like target three minutes, mm. and just make something cool using this hyper incredible focal point. Like you could talk, you could go into detail about a specific part of a Voron and why it's cool and how it's made and the specifics on why it does what it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can do prints from the Vorons. Um, you could do a live stream for an hour a, day, a week just posting questions about vorons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have there's all sorts of opportunity and i think it's just a matter of trying it so if you if you try new content instead of old content then if something doesn't perform as well mentally that's going to give you a, a big hit and you want to go you're going to want to go back and so put in some extra effort to make a little bit of extra content per week or per month or whatever build that side little content and then just make it a regular thing. That's great advice. Sure. So mm-hmm. what I'm hearing and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a, it sounds like, first of all, you kind of got to think about 
we go it goes back to your goal setting stuff right Joel it's like mm -hmm. think about yeah. where you're what what are you trying to do like like are you are you wanting to grow the channel are you where you want to be and and experiment I, I I would say from my personal experience and Andrew maybe you have some feels on this too that it's okay that your your audience is going to change over time no matter what mm -hmm. you do for things that are within and outside of your control and I think mm -hmm. you need to accept the fact that those are somewhat elements that you're not going to be able to control. And and sometimes you're going to need to experiment and, and maybe things work, maybe they don't, but I, as long as you keep trying uh, and there's a ton of different creative ways, as Joel's saying to just like kind of fuse in some ancillary stuff, especially in the world of 3d printing, you know, you can get broader mm -hmm. and talk about making mm -hmm. in general. Um, you know, if you were to all of a sudden just pivot over and start doing cooking videos without telling anybody, obviously that's like, wait, what the hell just <laughs> that's happened? That's pretty unless wildly you, different, Unless yeah. you make the cooking utensils with the boron, see? <laughs> there you go. They're, tie it back in. There or, you go. Or start a second channel. I, I don't know. I mean, I think people mm -hmm. do that, whether or not, you know, it, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's all a question of two, like what James was talking about, like, where is your heart in the whole thing? Where's your passion? Mm -hmm. Like, do you, are you getting burned out on just doing Voron stuff and you want to branch out because personally, you know, you have more to offer. Uh, there, there's a lot of questions I think that we would throw back at you mm -hmm. and it's hard in a one, you know, one sure. thing, but that's a fantastic mm -hmm. question and I really good it. insight, Joel. Thank you. Yeah, glad that one. Mm -hmm. What's next? More. Come on. <laughs> More. Well, uh, so I see I a lot of questions to... coming in. Let's just go through them. Sure. Sure. Okay, cool. You want go, to go ahead, Andrew. No, no, you have one and I'll, okay, I'll pick sure. another while you're doing that. Sure. So, you know, kind of uh, let's let's go back and touch on, um, you know, as you're as you were growing and you started realizing, hey, you know, I'm making a go at this. I'm turning this into a business. Um, you mentioned, you know, having to, you know, approach sponsors or, you know, sponsors would approach you. How do you go about trying to assign a value to yourself or your audience? Or what are some of the things that you're thinking through to try and, I guess, distill down ways in which you can monetize? again this audience or platform that you've been building ah that's a that's a really good question because mm. a lot of people i don't think realize their worth like their, mm -hmm. their time and their mm -hmm. influence and the ability to have an audience mm -hmm. that's worth something so in in the before time i just came up with some numbers on my own um and okay. then when my producer david started working with me he does the business side of things and and talks to potential clients and sure. there's, there's a, there's a different monetary value that comes there. I just, um, mm -hmm. I don't want to get into specific numbers, but I think it's sure, safe to say fine. value your time and mm -hmm. aim high because mm -hmm. you can always mm -hmm. negotiate down, but it's really <laughs> difficult to climb back up. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, and so I think you actually hit on a really good point there is, is, uh, is I think you identified a potential weakness of your own, um, and you brought in someone else to help with that. Um, you know, is that kind of oh, safe to us, you know, uh, make that uh, point? It, it, sort of. So I could okay. always, I'm not afraid to talk to people, but sure. it, it also, there's an image thing because, uh, it, I don't want to say good cop, bad cop, but okay. it's, it's <laughs> if, if I'm the host of the sure. show and I talk to people and then me has a different persona when talking to possible yeah advertisers and sponsors and stuff mm -hmm. it, it, it you can get a disconnect because yeah. talking mm -hmm. business with people as you both know some people don't like that no. it turns yep. them off it's such and a challenge so mm -hmm. what's what's really great about having my producer david is i get to maintain being a host of the show 
Uh, I'm happy mm-hmm. and bubbly. Well, I mean, I am in real life anyway. You, I mean, you, you guys, <laughs> I know you guys. Yeah. But yeah. David gets to talk money with people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll really have smart. conversations, mm-hmm. just him and I, to be able to talk about overarching goals and and uh, and financials okay. and stuff. But at the end of the day, like, David does the financials with the client. And having that abstraction maintains that, 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 that level of... Um, friendship or niceness that I have with the client. So I can go in Mm -hmm. and high five and hug and do all that and be completely abstracted from the maintain the persona that's really yeah. smart. Yeah. no this is great really does tobin smart. know he's yeah. the bad cop or did he oh yeah <laughs> he knows. absolutely and we loved it we've had yeah. him on uh if he, you're he listening does. He does. we've yes. had him he on specifically does and, and he loves it and my goodness is that guy just brilliant in the way that he goes about it. it's 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 amazing mm-hmm. uh what just having just different skill sets and i i hadn't even considered the persona piece of it as intensely as you have joel but that's such a good point because well it's it's hard when they're like wait a minute what why are you being such a hard ass when you know you're you're obviously mm-hmm. just this nice dude on you know and it, it yeah just, it, well, it, for people that can't do that for people that can't yeah. do that yeah it takes nothing to create an alias so when you're mm-hmm. approaching as as a small content creator or someone who's just starting out in the business yeah create an alias yeah <laughs> pick a name you like and just yeah. answer have- and forward emails like that way or have chat GPT yeah. do it for you. I mean, you could. There you go. <laughs> some guy made something called, uh, some guy I saw on TikTok made uh, GPT boss. He created oh, different great. business personas great. with yeah. predefined oh. uh, queries yeah. that then answer questions you have, but via specific roles. That's hilarious. Uh, like you can, you can give a t- some text to an expander person and say, hey, writer, could you expand this text for me? And it'll then rewrite it, including the relevant points, but make it longer. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, I've, I've picked a great one. We're gonna, I'm going to do what we're going to call the STL Denise lightning round with you because she right. like submitted a oh ton of stuff. Yes. Do um, this, this can, this is going to be uh, more in depth. I'm going to start with one that is going to not necessarily be lightning round. Cause I think there's some, some good stuff in here. She just asked it. What does your wife do for the business? If you can talk about, if you're comfortable talking about oh, yeah, the, the, the personal aspect, does she help out behind the scenes or does she keep, just keep home fires burning or, or all of it go? Uh, Mickey's a homemaker. So uh, she doesn't have a quote unquote job outside the house. She did run the print farm when I was doing a lot of selling with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, she'll also, if I'm away on a business trip, Hey, can you check this printer for me? And she'll FaceTime me and, and, and check stuff. Mm. Uh, but uh that's it. Like if the print farm was running more 24 seven, then I would, I would consider it a, a, a job and her job is to, to check it right now, not really advertising or, or trying to get print farm jobs. So it's like, well, then I'm just not going to, you know, we're not going to worry about it. And we've got plenty of things going on at home that she takes care of. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, her, her job is, is mom and homemaker and then helps with print farm or content creation when need be. What do you, to follow up on that, what do you suppose, and I, I don't know if it's fair because she's not here to answer for herself, but you know, the, the, a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, aren't in your boat. Like they, they might be younger, don't have family. They're not married. They don't have kids yet. Obviously that creates just a different dynamic for them than, you know, where you are. Um, what do you, what, what do you suppose she would answer of like, what's it like being married to a content creator? <laughs> 
it's a blessing and a curse is, right. is what I would imagine she would say. Yeah. Because uh, I get to work from home. So you're but then always the curse there. Is, I'm always working. <laughs> yeah. Sure. From home. Yeah. 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 Good one. All right. Uh, so the lightning round. Now you ready for this? Okay. Yep. Uh, I've, I'm going to pepper you with a couple. Let's try to keep them short and sweet. So how do you spread Deal. the how do you spread the brand of 3D printing nerd? How do I spread it? Um, in person, I tell people what I do. Online, I utilize various social media networks to engage in positive ways with people. Is TikTok worth it? Yes, absolutely. How about shorts? Yep, hundred percent. Do you have to be on all social media to grow as a content creator? You don't, but you should investigate and research the communities you want to be a part of and the social media networks that they typically use. What percentage of income is from rev share and ads roughly? Uh, oh, geez. Again, I don't pay attention to that <laughs> stuff, but I would say, well, David, maybe you can uh, chime in if you have it on the chat. 10, 15%. Okay. Have you, have your revenue streams changed over time as you've transitioned from hobby to full-time career? Yep, revenue streams have changed in that um, sponsorships and activations, we, we try to get more of. Um, and then I do utilize more types of content such as vertical short format and live streaming as well. Whereas sometimes before those were just for fun, now they are a part of a product offering. Mm. You, you don't miss a beat, dude. I mean, I guess it was just like zipped yeah. right through it and, they're, and, and very, well thought out given how quickly that is. I'm going to continue on with Grant's question here. Do it. When do you believe is a good move to start hiring people full-time on a channel versus doing everything yourself? Okay. Oh, that's a, that's a very great question because a lot of people are used to doing things. And like, like James said, right. You have to mm. cut off your heart and your arm and your, your tentacle, I guess. Uh, Mind your tentacles. Part of it is so uh, what to find whether or not you should hire someone you should identify like you should come up with a specific job posting, not, not post it, but just, you know, what would be the job description of someone you'd want to hire? And then what would it cost to hire that person? And then mm. if someone else did that job, would you be able to manage them, help them, encourage them? And then would you have time left over for what you needed to do? Uh, so a lot of times uh, having to, uh, hire someone it's not just you don't just say here's some money person go do this thing right it's uh, unless it's a trusted person or you you have a good idea it's okay here's money now do this thing now let me see what it looks like oh now you should change it because we never do this or this but we yeah. always do this yeah and so it's not managing having to hire a person to take over some duties <laughs> duty is great, <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's you have to realize it's not just paying someone to do something. You then have to take on the role of a manager and you have to allocate time towards making this new hire someone who's mm -hmm. valuable. Now, again, it could be you hire someone and they are just brilliant right from the start. And you're like, this is great. And you just, you just run and course correct along the way. But it could also be that you hire someone and it's a consistent struggle to get quality work. And you, so just mm -hmm. like you have to know when to hire someone, you also have to know when to fire someone. Mm -hmm. And and for yeah. any business, I mean, this is something mm -hmm. that I think we mm -hmm. struggle with as well, that um, especially when you're coming in 
I, I would argue that one of the hardest things about kind of falling into business is being a manager of people. Falling into business. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. People don't yep. realize how easy the pathway is to being a people manager. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you, you get there real quick. Yeah. When, and, <laughs> yep. uh, and it's not always a good thing. Not, no, not everyone is built to be a people manager and that's okay. Yeah. As long as it's realized and mitigated. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and traditionally, I think a lot of us, well, until I can hire a general manager to manage all the other people, I don't want to manage. And it just becomes this compounding potential. But at mm -hmm. some point, if you have people, there is going to be some degree of management. Um, mm -hmm. It just Initially, depends. It just depends. Initially, there's yeah. some degree of management and you just, the people that you want are the people that that have a very short tail for how much management needs to happen to the person in their position. Because if it's a really long tail and you have to continually course correct over time and it takes a lot of your time, then that's, that's not a good hire for you. It's a tough mm -hmm. thing to be learning as you're going too, because you don't, it, it, it people are very complicated things and it's never the oh, same sure. thing with yeah. every, every person. Right. And so a lot of it has to do with like learning how to deal with the idiosyncrasies of each persona that you mm -hmm. may come across you yes. can be great at managing certain types of people um i know for me like it's been a good learning experience it's felt painful mm -hmm. um i generally like joel i'm a you know i don't want the conflict i'm a people pleaser like I, I i i find myself being like i shouldn't have to say this and that's irritating mm -hmm. to me sometimes because because <laughs> i feel like people should just inherently understand and get it and not be mean to each other and all the crap that comes with like managing a team sometimes but um it, it is very much a trial by fire and even people that are probably seasoned managers would argue that mm -hmm. you're constantly leveling up how to you know, tactics for managing certain types of people. Right. Well, and when we're, when we're talking about managing and new hires, especially in my line of business, which is content creation, they, they directly affect your ability to create revenue because mm -hmm. they're directly affecting the product that is consumed. And so it's not like you're not hiring someone to just kind of clean up an area or or mm -hmm. to to file your taxes or whatever sure if, if it's if it's someone who's directly responsible for some aspect of creating the content then it's imperative that they're at the top of their game and willing to learn quick or else your content suffers mm -hmm. and if and if views suffer well just like what james said views went down and i he was at a pretty dark place i'm really glad to have him back but again you don't you don't want to get to that no, and it's, it's mm -hmm. just something that you have to manage. And like we talked, not everybody's a manager. No. Mm -hmm. um, can you speak for a moment to the to the the ebbs and the flows and the stressors that kind of you experience as a as a content creator? Yeah. Well, part of part of my stress is because of my family. I love them dearly, but if my content suffers and my views suffer then the potential for having less revenue is there and it stresses me out because we we live a certain way and I would hate to have to cut out things. Mm -hmm. Like my kids should always be able to go out for the sports they want. Mm -hmm. uh, we should be able to cook the things we'd like to cook and and all of that stuff. And so my, my main stressors are just making sure that what I do and what we do make sure that's possible. 
um, other stress, the, really in a creative job, the, the other, the other main stressor is just, um, have having to be creative and, you know, mm. that comes along with taking external money and sponsorships and it, it, it's a thing, but if you're not in the right mindset and you're being forced to do a creative thing, it's never going to be good. And it just creates more stress. And so you, you Makes have sense. to remember, you have to remember that even if you're having a really crappy day, you need to, you need to turn it around because you're responsible for this and you have to be in a good mindset to be properly creative. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. David in the chat mm -hmm. saying that you're, he is the source of all of your stress. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm sure that is not the case, David. You bring a lot of value obviously too, which is you're lucky to have such a good uh, you know, friend that you've been friends with for a long time that you're close. Well, and with. to be fair, he's bringing in the business stress. And yeah. so he's yeah. saying this person wants to run this sort of advertisement on this video. So you need to go make a 30, 60, 90 second integration. Like you need to go film that. Mm, it's like, yeah. Oh crap. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. And so, uh, it's, Interesting. it's mm -hmm. the, it's just the stress of making money, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. on the creative side, so, yeah. so I, that kind of leads to a question I'd like to ask is how do you go about, um, you, you know, working through like what sort of sponsorship opportunities or deals that you are interested in taking? Um, you know, is there like a formulaic thing or is it just a feel good? It, I'm just curious. Um, we, so on, on the show, we don't take any uh, crypto or NFT projects as sponsorships. Okay. Um, Beyond that, most things are open game as long as the requirement is met for the fees we have associated with mm -hmm. certain sponsorship or integration lengths. Uh, just like Tom Sandlanderer has taken um, mm -hmm. uh, coffee as a sponsorship. Mm -hmm. And it's great. Like the little the little vignettes he makes and talks about. I'm mm -hmm. like, I, we've mm -hmm. had Pete's sponsor us on the show. Yeah, sure, yeah. Giveaways and it's, it, it, it's great. So um we, we always try to vet the companies and projects that we'll take sponsorships with. Uh, oh, so, well, as an example, uh, there was a home security device company. I don't want to mm -hmm. name the name, but a mm -hmm. while ago, when, when they were scheduled to run an advertisement with us, um, mm -hmm. it came out that some of their products were easily defeated from the outside with like a laser. And it was like, ah. okay, we are, I'm sorry, but because of the current situation, we mm -hmm. cannot run the advertisement for your company at this time. And so mm -hmm. um, it sucks to have to turn out money, but the goal is to always is to always be mm -hmm. authentic and caring for your audience. And you don't want to you don't want to shovel them some sort of crypto scam. Sure. You want right. to either show them products that you believe in or that you that you use yourself and give and can give an honest opinion on. Or at least you don't not believe in. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, create, create, uh, the creatrix, Miss Britt, uh, brings up a very good point uh, that isn't exactly phrased as a question, but I will make it one. Forcing creativity is hard. Uh, and James talks about this earlier where it's like, it's got to suck when you feel like we got to get some content out. You are a very creative mm -hmm. individual, my friend. So I don't know how much of a problem this is, but there have to be moments for you where oh, you're just I, like, I, I don't want to make a video. You, I, let, me, yeah. let me set the stage for you. It Please. is nine o'clock at night and something is due. And I sort of put it off because I just 
my mentally I'm like, this sucks. It's, it's not forced creativity. Yeah, I don't yeah, want yeah. to do it. Yeah, yeah. But I have mm-hmm. to get it done. So I drive to my studio and I turn on the lights. And then I have to set up camera A and get it all focused and white balanced and then set up camera B and do that and then plug in my external monitor and then make sure I look good on camera and then get my script ready and my points that I need to do in the outline. And so that friction, (laughs) that's the friction that James talked about. Yeah. And I think removing the friction to force creativity will make it less stressful. So like Mm. for him, having these machines available in his private shop with 15 different cameras on him at any time Mm -hmm. it removes some friction it's still there's still going to be some friction there i guarantee it but anytime Mm -hmm. that you can grease the skids to get into hitting record faster you're going to take away some of that stress and that's part of why having a studio is really great because while i still do have to set up cameras it's not like i have to clean up an area at home in order to film and put the dogs outside or tell my wife to keep them quiet and that so yeah so it Mm -hmm. it it does it reduces some of the friction but that forced creativity still there if any any friction that you can reduce in that process and the faster you can you can get to hitting record is wonderful Michal asks in the chat, how far out do you plan your videos? He understands bigger and longer take more than 10 minutes, yeah. but, but, but generally uh, what's the pacing? Well, some videos, well, well, as an example, anything that's banner has to be planned out long in advance. Like our, our, our times with Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. David is talking with someone who talks, you know, his, his assistant uh, and then sometimes it, he, what a game of he cycles assistant. So he has to then update yeah. and then there are schedules and, and Neil has, you know, filming obligations. And mm-hmm. then we talk with companies that then we work with for the project. And then we kind of circle it all together. So for some episodes it is, or, or like our time in Malta months and months in advance of oh, pre-planning wow. and pre-production happens for that. But other times, uh, like as an example, Simplify 3D version five, yeah. I filmed that at 10 p.m. the night before it came out. <laughs> and and as far as so, I'm assuming that means that your release schedule is somewhat fluid based on you know what we got to drop this now and sort so stuff of. gets pushed maybe. Sort of. Um, there there is some fluidity, and a lot of times things are only locked into place when a a sponsored piece of content comes up either from a corporation or from an ad integration but most Mm. of the time if something comes up like if something happens and i'm like oh my gosh i just printed this this is awesome or this model just came out we need to feature it right now we have the ability to move some things within the schedule and because 3d printing nerd only airs once a week we do have the ability to do uh off friday we release on friday so it could be that um uh, a, a video is released on a Wednesday or a Monday or a Tuesday or a live stream happens. And so um, we we try to lock things in as much as possible. But if something comes up, we do have the ability to be fairly fluid. And we always have the ability of adding a piece of content if push comes that to show. Sense. Yeah. I'd also assume that you have the other platforms of social media in which you can share you know, content and information through as well, right? Sure. Um, I share a lot of stuff through Twitter. But again, Mm -hmm. if YouTube is really the the, the banner social network for showing video content for us. Sure. uh, And uh, I do take, I take advantage of YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, Facebook reels, uh, TikToks. And uh, is that it? 
that might be it. So I mean, I, I take advantage of them, but when sponsorships come in, it's nine times out of 10, it's for, it's for YouTube. Mm, okay. Does that allow for a, a substantial, well, I don't know if it's substantial, but obviously I can understand you want to hedge. You need to be where people are and what's relevant. And so if, you know, younger crowds are more on TikTok and stuff like that, you want to make sure you're in front of a bunch of different groups. But there's a, it sounds like there's a substantial difference in what kind of revenue you can expect from each of those channels or media uh, versus, you know, your bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I well, short form vertical video content, I'm always attempting to to grow. Right. And it's easy enough for me to put out something just by myself and just and just let it go. So a YouTube short, Instagram reel, a TikTok, I can film those any time of the day. If I have just a quick idea, mm -hmm. uh, I do the editing on my iPhone and yep. then I publish it. Yep. But any anytime there is a there's a major release to to YouTube then that's that has to be through david myself uh, an editor mm -hmm. usually is editing that one mm -hmm. uh there's a notes pass and we just we make sure it is a it's a produced piece of content sure whereas um obviously a produced piece of content isn't always what does well on short form video so you you kind of you kind of curate the content and the presentation style for the network it's going on mm. So given the advent of just the direction of, of more short form vertical video content and stuff like that, that, that there are a lot of people getting started in the, in the time of shorts now. YouTube mm -hmm. is finally starting to monetize shorts and stuff like that. But give people a concept of like, and you've interacted with other creators as well that have been wildly successful mm -hmm. in these formats in terms of viewership and brand establishment but from a monetary standpoint as i understand it you know having two million subs on tiktok does not translate to a full-time job like can you give people a sense of like what is really needed in order to like get to the point where you're does it have to be long form YouTube? that's a really good question uh mm -hmm. it really depends people can find some success in short form like ben it's boy in space yeah he has 4.4 mm -hmm. million followers on TikTok. Right. He's made some money on TikTok, but through Facebook Reels and YouTube Shorts now, yep. he's finding a much clearer revenue path. And mm -hmm. then even, even on TikTok, even though TikTok itself isn't paying a lot, having a large audience anywhere still invites potential sponsorship opportunities. So right. I know he's done that as well. Right. It's really hard to speak on the other networks. Like I've got, I think 200,000 200, followers on TikTok like 60 some odd thousand on Instagram. And then we're closing in on 600,000 on YouTube. So I do, I do have a fairly decent addressable audience via multiple platforms. It's just a matter of making sure the, the content produced in a certain way gets to the proper platforms. Yeah. And understanding as well that, that there is a lot of value in having an audience and a brand, but it doesn't always translate immediately to financial benefit well so yeah that's where it gets really interesting because the short form video content like tiktok and all my time on tiktok i believe i've made 350 dollars. that's a <laughs> but that's a good perspective because people that's, would look at like yeah, how can that be that's and that's 200 yeah. followers but that was a lot of viral hits during certain times that right. paid mm -hmm. and live streams where people would give gifts um but yeah, like 350 bucks. It's, it's really not that much. 
Yeah. So mm. is is the concept of what even viral is has that changed given especially the landscape like James was talking about in the COVID times and how much people are consuming this content. It it feels like a million subscribers is not the value that it once was given how many people are getting to that level. Uh, it's really weird because right now, at least on YouTube, subscribers don't really mean nothing. Like I have six hundred thousand subscribers. Mm -hmm. uh, Angus Makers Muse just crossed one million. Congrats, like, congrats Angus! Wow. Yeah. But if you look at people's standard YouTube analytics, it's twenty five percent or less of your audience comes from subscribers. So having that addressable mm -hmm. audience doesn't really mean anything if they're not taking advantage of what you're showing, and so especially now with YouTube. So discovery on these platforms, I'll just speak to YouTube right now, shorts. It used to be they didn't pay much, but they were great for discovery because it was a quick path to the subscribe button. And so I like that uh, when I did that, um, that snow ducky short, what was it like a year or two ago? Yeah, I remember, I, remember I had massive subscriber growth because people saw it, thought it was funny and just to hit a button on their screen and all of a sudden they were subscribed. Now that didn't translate into revenue, and it didn't translate into extra views because subscribers just don't really mean much. And so I think for people mm. like, like hearkening back to the business of content creation, yeah, I think you, you, you don't need to have massive subscriber numbers in order to have a loyal audience who loves to consume your content. I, but there's a big but that I would add to that in the sense that when you look at sp sponsors are very much looking at those metrics. Now, whether or not that's um, mm -hmm. the same as it once was, because it, even to get in the door or have a conversation with a bigger sponsor, they're going to be like, we, we, you need to have a million. So like, that's, that's something that they're like, okay, this guy's legit. So again, uh, what yeah, is it? But that's a holdover. So these are, yeah. th these companies aren't catching up. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's a constant, mm. it's a, it is a very constant, uh, that companies will not catch up to the current digital trends. Mm. So we, you and I now, we know that subscribers don't mean as much as they used to mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. watch time and, and, uh, and, and viewership of videos within the same context are important to yeah. people mm -hmm. yeah. as an example. 3D Printing Nerd has very close to 600,000 subscribers. It's a great number to look at, but it doesn't really mean much. However, when we traveled to Formnext and produced 14 or 15 episodes from Formnext, yeah. mm -hmm. with all of those specific videos, those are booth visits at an industrial trade show. Yeah, Let's take a look at that. Those videos together combined for more than 1 million views with wow. an average watch time of over eight minutes. So not only are we getting a million eyeballs, a million eyeballs on this content, yeah, they are watching it for more than eight minutes. Which is that's some that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. And so if someone comes at you and says, you have this many subscribers, we would like to pay you this. You can always counter with, well, contextually, these are the videos on the channel you want to pay attention to. This is the watch time for these videos. And look at that. These videos combined uh, give you a half a million views and people stayed on them for 12 minutes at a time. And so mm -hmm. you, 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 you always want to try and educate and reframe to the people you're talking to because they understand just historically what matters. And you're like, no, currently here's what matters. 
right mm-hmm. this is why it's a value to you and then they're like oh and that is a, that makes oh. a phenomenal yeah. point because we talk about like you no matter what your business is you always have to be selling to some extent as much as you hate it or whatever. This is a way educating your customer. I know we don't always mm-hmm. like to feel like we say we're selling, but that education of their your customer, what you're talking about, those metrics, those aren't generally publicly available metrics either, right? Right. So, so mm-hmm. unfortunately, they only have these like limited tools currently, and and maybe there's some third party systems that kind of give some better insight, but they're looking at those things because that's all they have. As a get to the door conversation, and then you have to educate them in terms of like, no, actually, this is what mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. is going to drive what we consider success for a video, and that's changed mm-hmm. over over the years as, as oh, absolutely these, this platforms grow as these become viable business entities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 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 wild because you're having to like kind of learn mid evolution of the whole industry even. Well, it gets, Mm -hmm. here's where it gets cool. And I'm going to talk about 3D printing for a sec. Imagine that. But historically, (laughs) 2015, 2016, it was Creality, Anycubic, JG Aurora. They would say, oh, hello, content creator. We would like to (laughs) offer you this machine for review and you get to keep it when you're done. Right. And during that time, (laughs) it was because it was a lot of lower cost hardware from China trying to, to hit as many eyeballs as possible. That was that was accepted all sorts of everyone under the sun did 3d printer reviews and Mm -hmm. that then sort of created the review economy because now even even today you get messages from from manufacturers who say we have this new thing we would love to provide it for you to test yeah and review on Mm -hmm. your channel and it's like uh well no it the review isn't offered like that but we do have sponsorships and advertising segments available. And uh, David's conversations with some of these people have turned into revenue opportunities because yeah, yeah. they just came out with what they knew historically. Right. And they realized, mm-hmm. oh, wait a minute, there's there's time and energy going into this. And it's part of a marketing budget rather than just a machine coming in. I mean, machine reviews are always valuable and people that do them are wonderful. But at the end of the day, you just have to do what's right for your channel. And a lot of times teaching these companies that the review economy isn't what it used to be is, is the right mm. way to go about it. Yeah. Well, listen, man, I know, uh, you know, we said we were going long and you know me, I could do this all day. Like I, <laughs> well, there, are I literally there any other could. questions that we need to handle. Let's, uh, let's, let's make sure. I want to make sure all let's, the questions. Should we give last a call on should questions? Should we give a last call? <laughs> should we give a last call? Yeah, this is, this is the last call. <laughs> um, it's, it's so fascinating to me, like the nuance, like I said, the evolution of the, the content creator mm-hmm. industry and all this stuff and you're living it like in progress and what it's living and creating and creating. Cases. as you're yeah. like yeah as yeah. as it's all written as history is written and it'll be wild if you stop and think about like if you're looking back on this in 10 years 15 years time um I, two two questions for you too like is it does it get weird thinking about as you get into your 50s as you get older to keep doing this like where do you ultimately feel like this needs to go like um, have you gotten that far out mentally with it i think i think at whatever the end is the the end is is a a proliferation of 3d printing nerds all over the globe 
who I have inspired via the, the content that is made, who work in all of these jobs that didn't exist even a year ago today. Yeah. And, and it's just the, the end is the stories that were told that enabled the people to create the next industrial revolution to, to build all the things. So are you, are you at all, and this is weird and, and, may, and maybe the answer is no, but like, are you at all worried about, and maybe worried isn't the right word, but thinking about legacy in terms of like, can 3D printing nerd exist? Can there be a handing off of the torch to mm-hmm. your son or somebody else at some point or, or whatever, like, or is that just weird? Have we even seen that precedented in this space where somebody has a channel like Mr. Beast talked about that. Like when I die, like Mm -hmm. should Kyle or whoever, you know, be allowed to, you know, still run the channel. (laughs) Well, I'm not at Mr. Beast level. No, Uh, I know. But, but you get the idea. I think that, I think that, uh, David will say this too. Uh, we are all 3d printing nerds. Yeah. Like I, I started the channel 3d printing nerd. And I remember at the very beginning, I would say, Hey, it's Joel, the 3d printing nerd. But, but, uh, as as we go on, the channel I don't believe can survive if I'm the only 3D printing nerd. And yeah, so yeah. as time goes on, let's hope that other 3D printing nerds come up and exist yeah. and we're able to tell some just some really great stories together. I love that. So are are you talking about kind of the formula, kind of like what Linus has done where it's like, you start talking about the media group. Like it's like where you're actually thinking. I would love to. I've always said that. I think 3d printing nerd as a media group, similar to Linus would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think that there's enough stories to tell. I think there's enough personalities within the industrial and the consumer side that, that people should know about. Yeah. I think that there's enough events that are happening, industrial, professional, and consumer that people need mm-hmm. a window into. And in order to tell all of like, it's, it's me, it's David, and it's an editor, mm-hmm. but in order to properly tell those stories and to get out the right amount of content per week, per month, and per year, then we need some more people that might necess- that might need to be on camera or that might need to be writers or that yeah. might mm-hmm. need to be producers. And uh, that's why I was saying early on that we've had conversations and if a huge influx comes in, we know exactly what it's going to take to grow this model wider and taller and deeper. Yeah. Okay, we've got a couple more. Of course, we do need it, last do it. Come call. Come on, let's answer. These, okay, man. all right, all right. Uh, we'll I'll pepper you again. Uh, do it. Uh, this is a good question from Mike. Uh, Never let the machines win. How does a one hour forty two minute live stream help? How do how does live streaming figure in as another tool in your toolbox? Uh, live stream stuff. is just another way to reach your audience in in an interesting method. So um, long format video is great. That's what we excel at. Uh, short content is great for quick, you know, people scrolling on the toilet, I would imagine. Uh, live <laughs> content is a way of just, I, I love the ability of just hitting go on the camera and just stopping for a second being like, hey, how's it going? Let's let's take a moment here. Let's yeah. let's have a lot of fun. Let's let's go on this path of discovery together. Whether Because typically it's when I'm opening a box and pulling something out of the box and making it go. And I, I love that aspect because um, I, as far as analytics, I know live streams used to detract and then people would have their, their second channels for live streams. Then it was okay. Uh, I think live streams right now are just a great way to help to help pepper the, the content offering on your channel. So um, 
super chats are always nice and those come through in live streams sure um mm -hmm. live streams are great as as a uh, a product offering because we do have sponsored live streams on the channel mm -hmm. and when we have people that stay for long periods of time or certain live streams where topics get 1100 1500 people watching then uh then there's some actionable items there as as a product and so i just i i enjoy the live stream I love it when I've reduced the friction to be able to get it going and cameras right. are all set up. Yep. And uh, I just, I, I hope I get to continue to, to keep doing because they're just a bunch of fun. Well said. Uh, da Vinci Resolve versus Premiere, which and why? Uh, I use Premiere because historically it's what I've used. It's what I learned at Adobe. It's the, it's the cracked software that I ran, you know, long before I worked for <laughs> Adobe. Um, it still is? Did no, you? No, it was. Oh, oh, no, no, we're talking about like, we're, we're talking about like Photoshop version six, man. Yeah, like, man. This is, this is back when, oh, back when things were black and white. Yeah. Uh, DaVinci Resolve is great. We utilize that when uh, I shoot raw content because mm -hmm. uh, uh, like with the raw, like a uh, Canon raw or Blackmagic raw, uh, their color mm -hmm. engine and the ability to do, to handle that footage is fantastic. So then I do the color grading in DaVinci and then I'll export graded files that the editor uses in Premiere. How much of uh, content is this is something we should do versus what you really want to do? Or let's talk about making something. That's from Dice um, 3D. That's a good question. I, I want to make more content. I would love it. Uh, it there, there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for me to be able to make more content, but I would love to be able to produce more content. I love, I love the idea of getting more ideas out into the world and having more people look at that and hopefully be inspired by it. I think, I think more content properly is a good thing. Excellent. Yeah. Well, properly being the, the, <laughs> the, the tough thing to, to define. Uh, from Mihao, Mihao Tech, uh, shout out Mihao. What is the one piece of advice oh, you'd give your younger self before oh. this adventure or advice that was given to time you travel. early in your career when you're time traveling? Uh, that, <laughs> this is easy, it, man. That impacted you most. Yeah. This is easy. Easy. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I've thought about this. I mean, many times over, if I could go back in time and tell myself anything, I would say, quit your job earlier. Mm -hmm. follow I, your I happiness that, as quickly that, as you can i think that uh jobs are cool but you're you're destined for more and i think if you get into the mindset of not having to have a job job and you can start doing things for yourself i think you'll find a, a you'll be able to get into your future faster i like that get to the future Thanks. faster says joel yeah. how much yeah. caffeine do you regularly consume uh usually so my drink of choice is a quad americano which is uh four shots of espresso hot water uh and i do a pump of caramel sauce not the syrup the bottle, but the sauce like what you put over ice cream mm. i do a pump of that and then a little bit of uh, heavy cream and it just it's it's a wonderful thing uh if i make my coffee at home it's a pump of caramel two drags from the machine uh some hot water <sighs> and then a little bit of uh cream on top and it, I can validate that it is literally called the Joel. I've been to yeah. Joel's Cafe, and you can you order. Yes, for a Joel, the they Joel. made it for you. Made, yeah, I sure did. But, and that's I, I used to drink a lot more Red Bull, like a lot more Red Bull. Uh, <sighs> my Red Bull consumption and energy drink consumption has gone way down. Um, every once in a while, like at three or four o'clock, if I'm dragging a little bit, I'll have a, a Celsius. That's the new one I like. It's mm, really tasty. Mm, I've never even heard of that. Maple Leaf Makers again. Heard a lot of good advice today, but what about the things not to do? Tell people what to not do. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. 
I think that when starting out, it's important to explore and test and create, but don't be frivolous about it. I be mm. be very specific about what you should do. Don't don't just like don't go buy a new shiny thing unless you have a plan for that new shiny thing and how you're going to use that new shiny thing. A lot of a lot of content creators fall into the trap of getting the latest camera gear. Oh my god. When when you look at Chuck Hellebuck who's filming on an iPad Pro. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly and because it took it, him that long to figure success. it out. Yeah. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> I'm, I'm guaranteed, like I love 99 times out of 100, if you're a content creator, you don't need a 6K camera. You don't need an 8K camera. You don't need massive studio lights. Like get a, get, get a decent light source and mm -hmm. figure out how to use your camera properly. And you're going to produce amazing content. So Sh show of hands, how many of us started a venture, whether you're continuing to do it or not, uh, in a way to like basically just legitimize the expense, whether it was I bought a 3D printer because I could start making money selling prints on, you know, uh, online or or bought it. I Absolutely. wanted to I wanted to pay for this camera. I mean, think about how many people start a business as a legitimate like I can write this off now. Right. And yeah. and mm -hmm. you want to talk about things not to do. Yeah, um, don't. I, yeah. <laughs> like I said, don't be specific about your. Don't be frivolous about your spending. Like buy cool stuff, make content mm -hmm. with it, but have plans for it. Don't be frivolous with it because I I guarantee you. Like if like another thing, I could tell my past self, money in the bank is king. Mm. Cash. We've said it too. Cash is the lifeblood yep. of your business. And when yep. you run out, you, you die. Uh, so you have to find you have to find a way to keep it, you know, coming in. And and mm -hmm. obviously, figuring the sustainability out is interesting. Um, uh, who is your hairstylist? Ah, uh, the whole reason, the whole reason my hair is up, is because when I would film back when I worked for Adobe, it'd be late at night. I like to wear a hat. I, I loved wearing hats, and yeah. so I would wear a hat to Adobe. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I would just take it off. I'd scrub my head and be like whatever there it is hey it's joel the 3d printing nerd and i have this print and so it just became a thing it was it was legit <laughs> i i i i wish there was some sort of crazy origin story here but i just took off my hat and let my hair go like how it should be and it just became expected and and that's it's legit a, it's a product of not caring <laughs> it is it absolutely nice. is yeah uh, one more nugget of wisdom. This is from Mihal. Uh, the longer he says he's in 3d printing and manufacturing. And I think I, I got to tell you this, this resonates with me in particular. I think this applies to any business, not just 3d printing mm -hmm. or okay. content creation. The longer he's doing this, he realizes the more that media is a must and not a nice to do. This is how information and sales happen and all that stuff. Would you agree with that, Joel? Oh, thousand million, thousand percent. million percent. There was, there was one time I remember years ago when I was talking to Dave at matter hackers. Yeah. And he said the goal at matter hackers was Shout to Dave have Gaylord. product video for every single product they offer their website. Oh, wow. If you go visit a product. Yep. There should be video on that product because if you think about it, YouTube, it's free to host content there. You can upload terabytes, terabytes mm -hmm. of media yes. for free yes. that you can link to anywhere for free. <laughs> Instagram, free. Snapchat, free. TikTok, free. All of these places that produce moving content. It's free. 
So all you have to do is find the time and the energy to produce some content about a thing <laughs> you're selling, and then you can host it everywhere for free. For free. And what's great is those three places mic. where you put it, there is discovery. So you yeah. have the option for free of getting a customer. If you post a video on YouTube for free and someone finds that video, goes to a link, clicks it and orders something, your customer acquisition cost was nearly nothing. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to push back on that because like this, <laughs> this is my, my biggest, and I've known this for forever. You're completely right. Mihal. Yeah. 100% right. 1 million percent as Joel says. Yep. Uh, and yet it is the one thing like, and Dave Gaylord is absolutely right. And I would say like, even if you look at matter, there's a ton of stuff that doesn't have video. Like I, I know you do this for a living and that it, it feels simple. <laughs> But we've yes. had private conversations, Joel, where it's like you said, like, it sounds like you have a starting problem. And mm -hmm. I very much do, because <laughs> the at the time that I, I have allotted uh, to create the content, as much as I know I need to do it and all that stuff, I'm just not in the headspace and the emotional, like, I don't want to film right now. And you mentioned, like, mm -hmm. take away the barriers. I get that. I understand. But, but there is a good amount of work, even when you're doing a short on your phone that it yes, feels like that. It's just, and I don't know well, if it's like, I need to reset my thought process in terms of like, well, Pooch, what a it could be that um, yeah. if we talk about the octopus arms that James talked about, yeah. perhaps the, the tentacle, the arm that's doing the content creation, perhaps you're just borrowing that arm or it's, it, it's not fit. It doesn't, it doesn't mm. attach to you well. Mm. So perhaps that's when you look at hiring someone. So yeah. if you come up with that job description, for the content you want to make and have lined up jobs for that job to do, perhaps, perhaps this is when you decide to hire someone for it. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's something I've considered. I've talked to Andrew about this. I think we've had many conversations. You tell, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Tell tell me your opinion though, really quick. And I know this is we'll go on. For, I don't want to go on forever with it. But um, you mentioned earlier the persona. It's like a lot of what the brand is right now is still very much me. And so I it's exactly just, how you feel. it's just weird. If like I have somebody else trying to promote the thing when, when there's so much connection to like pooch makes a rep box or whatever, Dude. I, I know. Do I need to just let that go? No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. It's, it's so fantastic because if you hire someone who's in charge of creating the content for the platforms, it could be that they write the script and say, read this and they get a voiceover that goes on things they've shot yeah. or they point a camera at you and say, just say these couple lines for me. Yeah. So you still mm -hmm. get that, that pooch branded element to your content. Remember the person that you're hiring to do this yeah. isn't making their content for you. They're making your content. And so it should have mm -hmm. your face. Okay. It should have your voice. It should have your likeness. And if you hire that person, yeah. as they begin to put together scripts for the content that they're going to make, you can edit and change and whatnot. But as you go on, you might trust them a little bit more and they can just go off and just submit final Makes videos a lot to of you. Sense. And then, so yeah. all you have to do is similar to what David does is watch down content and make notes. Sometimes there are no notes. Mm. Sometimes there are pages of notes. And so you <laughs> just, notes. You, you just, you just get it right. You, yeah. you, you just, you just take notes of things. Oh, this thing at 10 seconds. I don't like change that a little bit, or mm. I read the mm. word wrong at 20 seconds. Let me reread that. So remember, don't, don't think of, of hiring someone as as uh, taking a slice of your branding. It's there to make your branding pie bigger. Yeah. 
Mm. Okay, that's good advice. I think uh, my fear is the energy. Like, I just, I, if I'm going to be on camera, I want to have the energy. I want to be happy and excited. And and I just, I'm not feeling that all the time. Like, that's, no, that's, that's why someone can tell you. So, dude, okay, yeah. when we're filming, if David and I are in the same place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Joel, big smiles. Yeah, smile, yeah. smile big. All right, do it. And then if I don't have the energy, he's like, you know, that was good. Do one more for safety. And it just means that I, <laughs> I screwed up a little it's bit. Like, probably. That, that sucked. Dude. Yeah. He's, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, yeah. having someone else there whose responsibility is the creative mm. will take some of your stress down. And then at the same time, it will enable you to be more creative because they're handling mm. this ball of it, right? They're, they're taking a little bit of stress, this, this stress creative ball away from you, and then they're unraveling it. And then they're giving it back to you in a finished product wise words my friend i yep. I, I love it I, I would love to get to that point it is something that has needed me how it's it's been an initiative for years i've talked i've it's been over a year that i've been talking to andrew about like we need a we need a market mm-hmm. better marketing media producer whatever we want to call it but uh, i mean i have the same problems and yeah, yeah we yeah. we we've yeah <laughs> it's finding well, that, one, that, at some point <laughs> I, I just i'm so sensitive to wanting to find that right way where it just doesn't feel like salesy mm-hmm. and forced i, I want to be like hey this is something cool this was a problem i had and maybe you have it too and it's just like mm-hmm. the information is out there i'm happy about it maybe it's not for everybody like that's kind of the vibe that i like and as you get a little bit more into the business and you have to sell and all that stuff like you know, I don't want it to feel forced. And I think a lot of it is just me mentally getting to the, it is, it's a hundred percent you mentally. And yeah, I promise yeah, you yeah. finding like, you don't think about a, a hire for a long time. Just try a month. Be like, I need someone yeah. for four weeks. I pay weekly. Here's the rate. Yeah. Here's what I need. Yeah. Digestible mm-hmm. chunk. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Joel, yeah. you are a true mensch for just being here and, and spending all this time. And just, dude, I love getting all of this insight from you. You know, we could do it. Like I said, all day, I think we did a Mm -hmm. good job. Uh, thank you guys in the chat. First of all, for hanging with us for, for a solid one twenty. Uh, that's, I think that's our, our new, uh, record, but I mean, every bit of it was gold. Every bit of it was gold. I enjoyed it. If not platinum. Uh, thank you, my friend. (laughs) And, uh, will you do me the, the kindness of, of taking us out with your, uh, just perfect closure? Oh, sure. Sure. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Well, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us on this show. And if you made it this far to the end, you're awesome. Don't forget to hug each other more fight for a cause you believe in podcast, all the things. And as always, (laughs) high high five. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next Friday. Bye-bye. See ya.